Good afternoon, everyone. I hope your day's going well. December 15th today, getting awful close to that Christmas time headed this way. Um, and it is windy out there. Uh, it's getting with it. Feels like spring. I um, think we got some thunderstorms coming this evening. Hopefully that won't mess anything up for tonight. We are going to take a look at today during our summary, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. This is a passage we looked at uh, December 8th, which would have been um, last Wednesday night. I'm going to give you a little bit of time um, to press pause so that you can um, take a look at that passage again, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 11. Read that through, and um, we'll get back together here in just a moment and discuss a little discussion on marriage. We'll talk to you in just a bit. Okay. Um, now you see what we're in the middle of this this discussion on, and a couple things to remember as we dive into this is the fact as we've we've made pretty clear in the past summaries in the past classes that that Corinth had a pride issue, and that seemed to and I don't mean everybody in the church, but there were those in the church who who had a pride issue, and that seemed to to affect a lot of these different issues. Um, these topics that that Paul was bringing forth. Um, One thing to understand, just because of the way the rest of this letter is written from the beginning of chapter 7 on, it makes it pretty clear that sometime in this correspondence taking place between the church in Corinth and Paul, who's in Ephesus at the time, he received a lengthy letter. Um, And there were questions in that letter that were asked, and apparently one of those questions had to do with marriage. And that's the subject that he's going to cover today. So, um, as we look into that, uh, remember that as we wrapped up chapter 6 last time we were together, we saw that, that Paul also dealt with the, uh, the issue of sexual immorality um, and how that is a battle, that, uh, a, a specific battle that was, that was fought by those in Corinth who, who lived in a very immoral um, culture. So uh, it's 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 no it's it's really no surprise that Paul brings up God's gift of marriage to battle that desire, and I shouldn't say battle the desire because desires we have been given by God are good. We just have the tendency to corrupt them, and Paul talks about marriage as an escape from sexual immorality. Now. If you saw that very first verse of of chapter 7, you will see that Paul says this, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, okay, like I said, this is a letter he's responding to. He says, It is good for a man to not touch a woman. Origen, who was a church father, um, as well as other Bible scholars, believe that this quote should have been in parentheses. In other words, this was a saying of the ascetics. Now, a little bit of review just for a second. Um, We talked about last week about the battle in the early church and the apostles as well as early church fathers had to battle against the heresy of Gnosticism, which separated the physical from the spiritual. And within Gnosticism, there were two separate groups. You had a group that that was the libertines, the ones who believed that you could basically be a follower of Jesus, a spiritual follower of Jesus, and physically do anything you want. If you got a physical desire, meet that desire does not matter. Um, There's so much separation between the physical and the spiritual, the physical could never corrupt the spiritual. So um, now on the other side, and that's what we covered with that sexual immorality in the chapter 6, 
Now, the other group within the, um, the, the Gnostics were the ascetics. Now, these were the ones who believed that everything physical was evil. Uh, they were the ones who would be prone to um, monasticism, in other words, separation from the world um, so that you can follow Christ um, perfectly. And they saw physical desires and physical appetites that were given by God that are gifts. They saw them as evil. So this, what Origen says, is this should be a quote in quotation marks because this was a quote of the Gnostics. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Um, so this isn't a quote of Paul, most likely. This is Paul quoting, as he does a number of times, like he did the Libertines in chapter 6. He's now quoting um, the ascetics, saying that it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And then he goes on to kind of blow that argument up. He's not going to completely disagree with it because um, Paul says that the gift, as he will refer to it here in a little bit, is not a bad thing. But before we get to that point, Paul says this. He says in verse 2, because of immoralities, meaning sexual immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman to have her own husband. Now this is an argument for marriage on the basis of levels. <laughs> All right, It's like marriage is only good for one thing, produce children, and it's just an outlet for sexual release um, because we have these desires that we cannot control. Now, here's something I want you to, to understand because Paul, I believe, in coinciding with the rest of Scripture, matter of fact, it's the pen of Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, that is probably the most quoted passage about love, not only in the Bible, but at weddings as well. It wasn't that Paul thought marriage was a bad thing, or it's, or at the very least, um, just something as a getaway from sexual immorality. But you have to understand um, Paul's position. And in order to do so, you have to understand the environment in which Paul was writing this. First of all, um, times were kind of difficult. They were for early Christians. Um, persecution was real, and it was not going to get any better in the coming decades and centuries. Um, so that's something to understand. Now, on top of this, at this point in time when Paul is writing this, it seems from his writing that he still believes that the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent, like it could be any day, any hour, any time. And it didn't seem like until his later writings that we have recorded in the New Testament, they began to see that he, he might die before Jesus comes back. So here's the mindset. Paul's thinking, well, Jesus could come back at any given point of time. Times aren't easy right now. So it would be better because of those reasons to be fully focused on the kingdom of God and therefore not be married, because when you are married, your focus is divided. So, and he'll talk a little bit more about that in the rest of chapter 7. But, so we have to understand, it wasn't that Paul did, was, was against marriage in any way whatsoever, um, but you have to understand the, the current climate um, and the current times in order to see what he says about this. Now, moving on, he goes on to talk about marriage, and in verses 3 and 4, it makes it really, really clear that an individual's exclusive rights over his or her own body, um, those rights are eliminated with marriage. Uh, marriage annuls those rights, uh, meaning this, um, no longer does the wife have 
authority over her own body, and nor does the husband have authority over his own body. The spouse is a part of that conversation. Now, you take that and you add to it in Christian marriages, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, that talk about how we do, our bodies have been bought with a price, and the price that bought our bodies was the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your body. So, in Christian marriages... There are two that have authority over our body before we have our own authority. And it's first of all God, then our spouse, and then after that, ourselves, our authority over our own bodies. Let's just think how this flies in the face of everything in our culture these days. Uh, my body, my choice, that sort of thing. Um, that, that does not work well in the Christian marriage, all right? And he goes on to say this, if a husband and wife decide to abstain sexually for a period of time, this should be a mutual agreement. Um, for spiritual, If it's for spiritual reasons, nowhere does Paul command that this should take place. But he says, if you do this, only do it for a period of time that you agree upon because you don't have control. This is something we see in this passage a number of times, lack of self-control. And this is the thing, Paul says, because we are weak, because people who are married are weak in this part of their lives. And that's really what he's saying. They don't have the gift of, of sexual abstinence, if you will. He goes on to say that, because of this, Satan, Satan himself, can tempt you in a moment of weakness. Therefore, do not abstain from sex in marriage for extended periods of time. Um, it's interesting, as you look into verse 7, he says this, and this is something that catches a lot of people's attention. He says, Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. What this is getting at is Paul, at this time, was an abstinent man. He was not a sexually active man. Now, most people go to the thing, to the point of saying that Paul was single and had never had been married. But to be honest with you, we don't know that from Scripture. We simply do not, not know Paul's status. Was he unmarried? Had he always been single? It's possible. What about this, though? What if he was a widower? What if his wife had passed away? We don't know. What about this? Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was very quickly climbing the ladder of power in within the Jewish religious um, elite. And remember what happened when he met Jesus. His life flipped upside down, and he went from a man who had a lot of authority, a lot of power, probably quite a bit of wealth, too, to an itinerant preacher of this Jesus guy. And just imagine with me for a moment if Paul was married at that time to a woman who was also ambitious and was very happy about him climbing this religious Jewish ladder, and then all of a sudden his life gets turned around in this way? What if he was married and she left him? We simply do not know. All we know is at this point in time he was not an active part of marriage. And Paul says that this was okay with him. Like I said, we don't know. He could have been single his whole life. We do know this, that he was not looking for a marriage type of relationship at this point in time. And he says, I wish all were like me in this way. So to begin with, in verses 1 through 7, we see Paul's advice to the married. Now in verses 8 and 9, we see his advice to the unmarried. And he again basically tells them, I wish you could be like me. But it is better, if you cannot live this out, it is better to be married 
than to burn. And that burn could be, as some people believe, as some of our translators kind of went this way with it, a little bit of interpretation because, as you'll see in your Bible, that with passion, part of this is in italics, which means it wasn't in the original Greek. So this very well could have meant burn with passion or simply to burn, meaning this, um, an unrepentant, sexually immoral lifestyle has one destination, and that destination is hell. Um, and it's basically verse 2. Verse 9 is basically verse 2 repeated. So then as we wrap up our section of Scripture for today, um, we will see in verses 10 and 11 that Paul, again speaking to the married, he says this time, uh, divorce is prohibited. It, it, it isn't allowed in Christian marriage. And basically, this is not any new teaching. Um, you can see the more specific teaching on this in Matthew 19 um, at the words of Jesus when he the, the Pharisees tried again to trap him in his words and failed miserably. Um, and, and Paul basically cedes the authority of the teaching, cedes to the teaching of, cedes authority to the teaching of Christ. He agrees obviously with it wholeheartedly and divorce is not an option in Christian marriage. So that will begin, as we said last week on December 8th, we began began chapter 7 in that way. Um, Tonight, which is December 15th, uh, we'll be covering chapter 7 verses 17 through 24. If you're able to make it to class tonight and want a preview for that, um, we would absolutely love to have you. Class will be at 7 p.m. It'll be, and there'll be classes for all ages if you want to bring the kiddos. Uh, as well as keep in mind, there's a meal at 6 o'clock uh, before that, and we'd love to have you for that as well. So I uh, hope to see you tonight. Hope you're having a good week. We'll see you later.